So this morning is the fifth Sunday of the month of May, and on the fifth, fifth Sundays, we strive to do what we call Celebration Sundays. Uh, so during Discipleship Hour, we had a time of family prayer, corporate prayer, and for this morning service, I'm going to shift gears from Luke just for this morning. We've been making our way through Luke, right? But this morning, we're in Hebrews 13, uh, verses 15 and 16, primarily verse 15, and honestly, we're just going to kind of zero in on that phrase where it says, the sacrifice of praise. That sound odd to you? Sacrifice of praise. What in the world does that mean? I remember one of the first books I ever read through as, as a new believer was Hebrews. I read it through in, in one sitting. And I remember towards the end all these exhortations in Hebrews 13 and coming across that phrase in verse 15. It says the sacrifice of praise. Just kind of scratching my head like, what? What does that mean? Uh, so that's what we're going we're gonna to dig into this morning. I certainly haven't mastered what it meant, but the Lord's given me a few thoughts uh, to share this morning. So that's, that's what we're going to think about. And if you have your bulletin, the outline's in there. You can follow along that way if you like. If you don't like, just disregard it, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, but uh, we're going to dig into God's Word together here. And the first, the first point this morning is that the only acceptable praise to God is through Jesus Christ. That's what our, our text says in verse 15. It's very emphatic. It says, through him. All praise must go through him. That is to say, through the Lord Jesus Christ. No other praise, no matter how fervent or skilled or loud, whatever other adjective you want to throw in there, no other praise, if it's not through Christ, is worthy or acceptable or pleasing to the Father. Praise is not accepted because of how fancy the words we use or because we can turn phrases. Uh, praise is not acceptable because of how beautiful your voice is when you sing. We should praise God for that. I've heard a number of you sing, and I praise God, and he praises himself, uh, that it's not based on our voices, right? I can remember uh, an evangelist, uh, David Morris. He's down in North Carolina. He'd regularly come to Pennsylvania. Worst voice I've ever heard in my life singing, and he was bold and unashamed, and it was awesome to hear. He would sing very, very loudly, but he couldn't hit a note for anything. But God was pleased. It was acceptable because it was through Christ. It was by faith in Christ. That's what matters. Not what your voice sounds like. It's who you're praising, right? It's, it's done through Christ. If it's not through Christ, all other praise is wasted breath and is wasted energy. Now, why is that? Uh, that's because of what Hebrews 13.10 says. Hebrews 13.10 says, I'm just going to read part of it there. It says, we have an altar and that altar is the cross upon which the Lord Jesus Christ uh, willingly offered himself up as our sacrifice for sin. And the scriptures tell us he did that once and for all. And we know as he hung on the cross, some of his final words were, it is finished. On the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our perfect substitute, canceled the power of sin. And he canceled the penalty of sin. He removed the debt of sin. That's wonderful news because the scriptures teach that in and of ourselves, and we, we just mentioned this earlier, we are sinful sinners. We are not just sinful because of what we do. 
We are sinful because that is our nature. We are sinful sinners. And if we were to try to draw near to God and not through Christ, we would be consumed like tissue paper on the face of the sun. We have no chance, no ability. We are not acceptable to God in any other way save through Jesus Christ. You can't get to the Father anyway save through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've, I've used these illustrations before. I like to use them because I think, I think they resonate well with us, and I know they resonate well with me. You have a better chance of crossing the Atlantic Ocean in a paper boat than getting to God on your own terms. You have a better chance of going up the Niagara Falls than you do of getting to God on your own terms, in your own way. We are sinful sinners. God is holy, holy, holy. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin, and therefore it is through him. He is our altar. He's also our sacrifice. He's also our priest. He's our all. He is our everything. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It doesn't matter how many good works you performed. It doesn't matter if everyone in the world thinks you're the greatest person ever. God is not impressed. That does not make you acceptable to him. It is only through Christ. Listen to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. In Hebrews 7, verse 25, we read this, that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. That's Hebrews 7, 25. Jesus saves us to the uttermost when we draw near to God through Christ, just like our verse says, through him. There is no other way. There is no other name. There is no salvation save Jesus Christ. You can only offer a sacrifice of praise to God when you, by faith, turn from your sin and place your faith and your trust in Christ and in Christ alone. And I hope each one of us here this morning have done that, that you've recognized your sin, you've recognized the holiness of the Father, you've turned from that sin, and you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone. He alone is your altar. He alone can take away your sin. So that's where praise begins. That's how we have a sacrifice of praise through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the second thought this morning as we look at these verses is that praise to God is the continual expression of our lips. So praise to God must come, must go through Jesus Christ. It must also be the continual expression of our lips. So Jesus offered himself once and for all for our sins, and our response to that sacrifice for us is to continually, without end, without cease, to praise him and worship him and adore him. Set free from the guilt of sin, we are now set free to praise him without end. Now, as I thought about verse 15, where it says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, I thought of at least four ways from this text in which we, we can and we must continually offer praise to God. 
The first way in which we continually offer our praise to God is, you can just write this, it's in contrast to the Old Testament sacrifices. Or you can write, it's in contrast to, to Judaism. Because in Judaism, they would sacrifice morning and evening, right? Morning, evening, morning, evening. At particular times, particular dates, and they could only do that in the temple, a particular location. Uh, but for us, that's all changed. For us, through Jesus Christ, who is our altar, we are able to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father continually, without ceasing, not just for a few minutes on Sunday morning, right? Not just on particular days like Thanksgiving Day, that we can and we must worship him continually, and not just in the temple, not just at, at church, but in our homes, in our workplaces, in the quiet of the day, in the rushing and hurrying of the day, we must be praising the Father. The second way in which we praise continually is that every word that comes out of our mouth should be what? Should be praise, it should be adoration, it should be lifting up on high our great God and our great Savior. And I, I get that from the end of verse 15. Because verse 15 again says, through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Then he clarifies, right? The author clarifies, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. The fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That's a quote, and your Bible might have a little footnote there. That's a quote on the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. And the idea that's coming across from that is is that it's not just enough to have feelings of emotion that's valuable, that's important, but you must verbalize your praise. You must put your praise into words. In all of your conversations, you should somehow, in some way, be bringing it back to God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It should not be something that you do for just a couple, a couple songs on Sunday, uh, it should not be uh, something that's brief or occasional in your life. No, it should be while you're talking with your spouse, while you're talking with your friends, uh, while you're anywhere you go, your brothers and your sisters, your coworkers, the fruit of your lips should be continual praise and blessing and honoring to God. And I, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone here as I, I share a couple of stories. I mean... As I prepare for the message, and you guys should always have that warning that anything that you say, it's very prone to show up on a Sunday morning, uh, but you guys are never going to talk to me again. Maybe that's why I said it. No, that, that, that's a joke. That's a terrible thing to say. That is not the fruit of lips that we are look, looking for this morning. Uh, but as, as we had our, our oldest daughter's graduation uh, party yesterday, I was able to talk with a number of you, and so I was talking with with Jean, and Jean was sharing about, I think we all know, uh, that we have the big church yard sale going on, South Norris Road, Pine Lake, corner, those two roads, that's going on tomorrow too. Uh, but Jean was just sharing that as they do that, they try and take every opportunity they can to tell people why they're doing this. That's the fruit of the lips, right? That's, that's the fruit of the lips, that you're trying to point people uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And of course, yesterday I was I was talking with Mike and Wanda for a while, and it was neat and neat to hear just as they talk about with Mikey and just the blessing that he is and all that the Lord's done there. Every other word out of their mouth was God is good. All praise to God. God's gracious over and over and over. And it's not forced. It's it's just the fruit of the lips as as the Lord works. And that's how we should be. Uh, that's that's the fruit of the lips. Continual conversation that points others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I had to ask myself, and I think you should ask yourself as you hear that, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Can you say that? It's his praise continually on your lips at all times in every conversation. What must not fill our lips continually is grumbling and complaining. God wants us to live a life of praise. You cannot grumble and praise at the same time. Grumbling and complaining should be far from our lips. That should not be the fruit of our lips. Listen, if we complained less, we would be much happier and God would be much more glorified. Amen? If we would put off complaining and grumbling and worry and anxiety, if we would put those things off where they belong, they have no place in our life. Our Father is our Heavenly Father who loves us and works all things after the counsel of His will for our good and His praise. We have nothing to worry about, nothing to grumble about, nothing to complain about. We have everything to rejoice in. And so if we can put off complaining and rejoice at all times, we will be far happier and God will be far more praised and glorified. So we should praise him, praise him in your car, on your way to work. I know if it's Monday morning especially, maybe you don't have to worry about that tomorrow, maybe Tuesday morning. You're driving into work, you're just dreading the day, right, the beginning of the week. That's a time to praise the Lord. It's a time to put your thoughts on him. Praise him when you're getting your kids dressed for school. Uh, Praise him when your marriage is going rough and going hard. Praise him when the power goes out and the air conditioning doesn't work anymore. I halfway prayed for that to happen this morning. Let let the power go out, no AC. Let us us see if we still praise you. How many many people are going to grumble about that? Praise him when you're mowing the yard. Praise him when you're gardening and pulling the weeds. Uh, Praise him continually. Praise him all day long for his great salvation and work and providence in your life. So we praise him in contrast to the Old Testament Judaism. We praise him continually in all of our conversations. The third way in which we praise him continually is that it becomes a lifestyle. It's not just our words, it's also our actions. And that's borne out in verse 16. Verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good, And to share what you have. I just love how verse 16 ends. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So in other words, our praise should be a lifestyle. It shouldn't just be words coming out of your mouth. Because we all know what that is. If it's just words coming out of your mouth and your your actions are something totally else, you're a what? You're a hypocrite. 
But if your heart is full of the Lord Jesus Christ and full of praises for him, that should flow into doing well and doing good for others and being generous towards others. You should have a life that shares what you have and a life that does not neglect to do good for others. That, of course, is why God saved us. If you ever wonder, why am I here? Why do I have breath in my lungs? Why does my heart beat? Why was the universe created? The answer, biblically, is very simple. You were created to praise God and to live for him and to honor him, to worship him. God tells us that in Isaiah 43, verse 21. In Isaiah 43, verse 21, we read that this people I have formed for myself, and they shall show forth my praise. Why did he form you? So that you will show forth his praise. And you show forth his praise in the way that you talk, in the way that you love others, and do good to others, and are generous to others. Then just that phrase again, sacrifices that are pleasing to God. When you praise him with your lips, when you don't neglect to do good, when you share what you have, your heavenly Father is pleased. You know, there's some people you can't please for anything. But here the Father is telling you, this is what pleases me. This is what I delight in. Continual praise, continual doing good, continual sharing of all that you have. That makes him happy. And I like how simple that is. If you want to please him, you don't have to get up on the stage and become a pastor or a preacher. If you want to praise him, you don't got to lead a thousand people to Christ. That would be wonderful, but you don't have to do that for him to be pleased. Right? You want to please the Father? Praise him continually. Look out for the people around you, love them, and share with them. And the Father is pleased. Christianity is simple, isn't it? And it's life-changing. Well, the fourth way in which I think we can continually praise the Father in our verse 15 is this. It means we should praise him in the good times and we should praise him in the what? The bad times. If we're supposed to praise him continually, then you don't only praise him when you're on the mountaintop, you praise him when you're in the valley. I think that that's brought out in that phrase, the sacrifice of praise. Right, I share with you, it kind of makes, makes you scratch your head. Like what? Sacrifice, praise. Sacrifice is costly, right? It's hard. It's difficult. Praise is exciting and joyful and thankful. So how, how in the world do those two pieces go together? How, how, do you, how do you tie them together? And I think what's being brought out here is that praise is always appropriate. There's never a time when praise is not appropriate. And there are times where praise doesn't cost you anything, but there certainly are times in life, the hard providences of life, when praise is costly. It's hard. It's difficult. We go through some really difficult times and we say, don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know I was just at the doctor and they gave me this report? Don't you know I just lost my child? Don't you know I just, I just lost my job? Uh, there's lots of things we can think of there, right? Don't, don't you know that I, uh, the dream college I wanted to go to, they, they turned me down. These, these hard providences of life, 
And it's at those times where we must still praise him, but it's a sacrifice. It's costly. It's hard to praise him. I think of Job. Job lost everything in a single day. He lost his family, his livestock, his servants. What's he do when he, when he hears that news? Remember Job chapter 1, verse 20? It says, Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, so deep weeping and mourning, deep grief, hardship. But then it says this, Job 1.20, he fell on the ground and worshipped. That's pretty powerful. The hardship he endures, yes, he's brokenhearted, but he falled, fell on the ground and worships. Then he said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a sacrifice of praise. I think Paul is very similar. Paul was hated by many, persecuted often, imprisoned, scourged, whipped, all sorts of hardships. But yet he's able to write in Philippians, he says, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. If you read through the Psalms and you study some of the background of a lot of those Psalms, most of those Psalms are written in the midst where David is going through intense adversity. And that adversity gives birth to beautiful hymns and songs of praise to the Father. And they were costly. They were difficult for him, but they praised him. That's, that's the sacrifice of praise. So praising God continually means praising God when you're on the mountaintop and when you're in the valley. It means praising God through tears of joy, but also tears of sadness. Praise God when you lose your job and when you get a pay raise. Praise him when you go to the doctor and you get a clean bill of health, and praise him when he says, I think we need to run a few tests. Praise him. Praise him. Praise God when you're young and strong and abounding in energy. Praise him when you're in your 40s and you're not so young and strong and abounding in energy, but you think you are. Praise him when you're older, your 70s and 80s, when you're lacking energy, not abounding. It's hard to, it gets you tired to even think about getting out of that chair. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. God is good. Do not wait until you feel like it. Don't wait until you feel like it. The scripture commands you, praise the Lord. That's a command. Don't wait until it's convenient. Praise him continually. Praise him while you're watching the sunsets. Praise him as you look up at the starry sky. Been trying to do that for a few days now with a, with a new telescope, but the skies are not cooperating, and I praise I praise the Father anyways. Praise Him in the storm. Praise Him when sorrows like sea billows roll. Praise Him. How do you do that? 
That's the third point. We've talked about praise must go through Jesus Christ. Praise must be continual. Thirdly, our praise must be focused on the character of God. That's how verse 15 ends. It says, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his what? His name. And name there just means God's character. God's name reveals his character, reveals who he is. Uh, So we praise God in a way that's focused on who he is. When you feel like you've got nothing to praise him for, you can start with his character. Praise him for his faithfulness. Praise him for his amazing patience and grace and tenderness. Praise him that he is sovereign. Uh, Praise him that he is the everlasting lover of your soul. Praise him for his acts of power in creation and redemption and restoration. Spurgeon uh, said this. He says, quote, admire the Father. Think much of his love. Acquaint yourself with his perfections. Admire the Son of God, the altogether lovely one. Mark his gentleness, self-denial, love, and grace. Suffer your heart to be wholly enamored with Christ. Admire the patience and condescension of the Holy Ghost, that he should visit you and dwell in you and bear with you. Then he says this, quote, It cannot be difficult to the sanctified and instructed heart to be filled with a great admiration of the Lord. This is the raw material of his praise. Psalm 22.3 says, God is enthroned on our praises. That's an interesting verse. He's enthroned on our praises, which I think means God loves to hear our praises. I believe praise helps us sacrifice of praise uh, in times of costly praise, that to praise God helps us because it turns our hearts from self and gets our focus on God. I'd say it this way, that there's no better way, I can't think of any better way to overcome discouragement and hardship and anxiety and bitterness and grumbling and complaining than to praise God. And don't mishear me, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that we should ignore the difficulty. We still cry, we still hurt, but in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the difficulty of life, we praise the Lord. We speak well of him. We don't question him. We don't, we, we don't try and grade him and say, well, I, th- I think with what God's doing here, I, I'd give him a C and I'm going to praise him that way. No, God is always A+. plus. God's always doing all things right. We always speak well of him. He's always wise and loving and good. Think about it this way. If you're going through a hard time, a difficult time, think of praise as this pressure release valve for your heart. You know, when you're going through a hard time and your heart wells up and it's filled up with with hardship and and agony and distress and concern, think of praise as this built-in pressure release valve in your heart that God has given you to praise him. And it releases that pressure and it helps you direct it and articulate it towards God properly. Don't bottle up your emotions. Don't deny your emotions. Don't wallow in your emotions. Turn them on God and his character and his deeds. When we worship God in the midst of our troubles and trials, I believe he releases a supernatural power uh, into our hearts and enables us to persevere and live through adversity. I I think Job would echo that when he falls down and he worships. I think that's partly why we sing at funerals. Isn't that weird that we sing at funerals? 
Why do we do that? It's a pressure valve release, right? And it helps us take our emotions, these God-given emotions, and direct them where they need to be directed. And man, it helps, doesn't it? I can think of times of sorrow and grief and hardship, and you, you cry out to God, and maybe it's broken, maybe you can barely get those words out, but it begins to heal your soul, doesn't it? It begins to restore your strength. I think it also accelerates the process of sanctification. I say that because when we praise God continually, when we're so absorbed with Him, we're talking about Him and thinking about Him all the time, our hearts are so filled with Christ that the power of sin loses its grip on our hearts, right? When you're focused on the Savior who came to deliver us from sin, who came to save us and redeem us, when you're focused on Him, the power of sin uh, loses its grip, it loses its, its focus in your life, and praise thus, therefore, helps you accelerate in your Christ-likeness. I think of Gordon MacDonald. I don't know if any of us here are familiar with him. He's, he was an author, well-known speaker and writer. Uh, well, Gordon MacDonald... At uh, some point in his ministry, uh, left the ministry because of a moral failure. Uh, and for many, many years, he's out of the ministry, he's in counseling, he's in uh, just this time of restoration and confession and repentance. Praise God that his marriage uh, was saved. He is eventually restored uh, to some facets of ministry. Uh, there's one example, he writes about this in his book called Rebuilding Your Broken World. And he describes this occasion I want to share with you of how worship accelerated the healing of his heart through that time. It's kind of lengthy, but he says this. In one of the darkest hours of my broken world condition, I found myself one day in the front row of a Dallas church where I'd been asked to give a talk. I'd made a long-term commitment to be there, but had it not been for my host's hard work of preparation, I would have tried to cancel my participation. He says, frankly, I was in no mood to speak to anyone, but I felt constrained not to cancel, and so there I was. He goes on to say, when the service began, a group of young men and women took places at the front of the congregation and began to lead with instruments and voices in a chain of songs and hymns. Some were contemporary, others centuries old. As we moved freely from melody to melody, I became aware of a transformation in my inner world. I was being strangely lifted by the music and its content of thankfulness and celebration. If my heart had been heavy, the hearts of others about me were apparently light because together we seemed to rise in spirits, the music acting much like the thermal air currents that lift an eagle or hawk high above the earth. He concludes by saying this, I not only felt myself rising out of the darkness of my spirit, but I felt as if I were being bathed, washed clean. And as the gloom melted away, a quiet joy and a sense of cleansing swept in and took its place. I felt free to express my turbulent emotions with tears. The congregation's praise was a therapy of the spirit, indescribable in its power. It was a day I shall never forget. No one in the sanctuary knew how high they lifted one troubled man far above his broken world anguish. Were there others there that day feeling as I did? Perhaps they would have affirmed as I did. God was there. That's neat. And I just offer that up as an example to say that a sacrifice of praise, praising God in times of hardship and confusion and adversity and distress, that as difficult as that is, as costly as that is, the Lord uses it 
to heal you, to restore you, to strengthen you, to accelerate your walk with him. Think again of that pressure valve release uh, that worship does for you as you praise him and adore him. The Duke of Wellington, if you've heard of him before, the Duke of Wellington, he's the one famed for finally defeating, defeating Napoleon Bonaparte. Well, the Duke of Wellington was also a very, very difficult man. Uh, he was not known to be very friendly or kind. Uh, you, you should not expect to get any compliments from him or praise from him or adulation from him. Uh, if you did, it was a rare thing. Well, the Duke of Wellington, at the end of his life, was asked, what do you regret? You know, that, that, that question people like to ask. What do you regret? What would you change? And he said, the thing that I would change is I would, I would have praised my soldiers more often. Now, I share that to say, as true as that is in your personal lives, how much more should that be true in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let none of us come to the end of our, our days and say, I wish or I thought I should have praised him more. That'd be an awful thing, wouldn't it? As Christians, we should and we must continually praise him. And we praise him through who? Through Christ. It all begins there and his sacrifice on the cross for us and our faith and trust in him that sets our hearts free to praise him 24-7 and to praise him for his great character, his great works, uh, his great wisdom, his great power. All God's people say? Amen. Amen. So it 